All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carey, along with our Friday co-host, Eddie Steele, on Sports 1440. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day as we welcome in Mark Spector. Morning, Speck. How was your trip back from the left coast? Well, it was pretty good. I was in Calgary yesterday for the... uh for Chris Snow's funeral. So oh. I flew from, from Vancouver into Calgary and uh, went there and then drove back up with uh, Derek Van Deest of NHL.com. Boy, we've sure seen an outpouring of emotion there. And, uh, I mean, we saw it on the ice with the family uh, in, in for the home opener and things like that. But just can you touch on what it was like to be there yesterday? Yeah, it was, you know, it's when when a when a friend dies that young, 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was, you know, those kind of funerals are I mean, no funerals are any fun, but yeah. that's particularly sad. He's got two young children. So, mm. lots of the hockey world there. I mean, just ran into all kinds of people that from Brad Tree Living, the JGM of the Leafs to Brian Burke to you know, a hundred different people that you knew from around the hockey world. The entire Flames team was there. Um, so, you know, it was a really, it was a great celebration, uh, but a sad day at the same time, right? And when you see everyone come together like that, right across the league, boy, it sure, it just tells you how much that he meant to everyone. Yeah, Bill Scott was down from the Oilers, and there's representatives from all over the place. Everybody came in, and Elliot Friedman flew in from Toronto. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, like this, I don't know what to say, but... Yeah. The the it's a very sad loss, but the way the way that the Snow family and Chris approached it, you know, they spent five years in the spotlight, spotlighting ALS and raising money and and really going through something that a lot of people would consider a very private thing in mm-hmm. a very public way. Yeah, and you know he he did a he shared that that horrible journey in a way that was that raised a bunch of money and awareness and and uh you know what i i don't know if i could do it i i'm a a little more private i would probably want to be in a shell but uh Mm -hmm. that family really put themselves out there for a good cause yeah for sure and uh you always say it puts things into uh perspective and and it makes a a thing like what happened uh wednesday night in vancouver just so minute uh Mm. you know so uh, but yes. that's, that's kind of where we got to go next, kind of a tough segue spec. But, uh, you know, we were, I was down yesterday with the Jay Woodcroft uh, availability here. And, you know, I think everyone in the uh, organization just kind of looked at uh, what happened Wednesday as a, as a one-off, uh, just time to move on. And, and I'm sure everyone, you included, uh, expects a, a much better performance slash effort tomorrow night. Yeah, you got to work at it more. It's you know, we just it, as if you didn't know this before. They got a very early um, reminder that you can't just throw your reputation over the boards as a team that people are picking to be at a Stanley Cup, and and that's enough. And that's reputation, and and you know those the All Star bursts and the Hart trophies and all those things are going to win games for you. Right, you got to show up and win the game yourself, and you got to battle, and you got to do all the dirty work, and you know there's no floating through hockey games, particularly another team's home opener. I mean, you know that the Canucks were coming out charged up, mm-hmm. and the Oilers were the exact opposite, and the result was uh, well deserved. Kevin, mm-hmm. Eddie, morning, Spec Eddie Steele here. How you doing? Morning, Eddie. 
Speck, I, I just wanted to talk really quickly about, you know, the the humble reset that this one-off, hopefully this one-off game was. And I look at this perspective, at, the, at it from this perspective of they get they get the opportunity to play the Canucks again, uh, which isn't something you always get where you don't get to play a team home and home. And they get the chance to flush this first game, come back out, come out with the effort and the compete level that is necessary. And I think that these Oilers are so fortunate that they get to go out and battle against the Canucks again, the team that just punched you in the face. And this is going to be a really good game, a really good opportunity to see what the Oilers are made of in terms of their mental fortitude, in terms of their physical fortitude, because they can't come out and lay an egg two games in a row to the same team, can they? No, and and to me, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about the Canucks. I respect that. I don't think the opponent, though, matters one bit. This is a team that's, that they're supposed to be in a place now where they're measuring themselves against themselves. Like, this is a, a team that a lot of people are saying is the best team in the National Hockey League. That's what they're, you know, when they pick you to win the Stanley Cup, that's what they're calling you. And the the effort in game one was just so far south of that. I don't think it matters who you're playing on Saturday night. Is it nice to play Vancouver again? Yeah, sure. Let's get, let's, let's, you know, if I'm the orders, I'm thinking, great, we're going to play our best game and we're going to let Vancouver know that was a, a one-off, but it's the effort level, whoever the opponent is on Saturday, uh, Edmonton has to be a million miles ahead. They got to put, they got to put their A game on the ice. And I think most people would say to you that their A game at home in a home opener should be able to beat the Vancouver Canucks, should be able to beat any team in the league. That's what you got to see on Saturday. Well, you're you're right too about that. Kevin and I, we were talking about in pro sports, in life in general, those, there's so much that is beyond your control. The one thing that you actually have control over is your attitude and your effort, thus making it so disappointing that the Oilers – didn't have any effort in the first game of the regular season. Yeah, really, it was it was just weird. You know, it yeah. was just weird. I always say, I don't remember if I said it on this show, but I've, I've said to many people in the last four or five days, never bet on a home opener <laughs> because, you know, sometimes they raise a banner and the team comes out flat as a pancake. And sometimes a bad team is opening at home in front of their fans and they crush you. And, you just never know. Home openers are strange. They're one-offs, and they're, you know, you only get one a year, obviously. And, uh, you know, Vancouver gave you everything they had in theirs, and now here come the Oilers. And and between the fact that they played the way they played the other night in game one and the fact that they're back at home, they're opening at home, it's going to be a huge crowd. It's the first Saturday night. Uh, they lacked emotion in game one. You'll see twice or three times that emotion in game two. Uh, I, I'm never going to come on here and, and tell you they're going to win a hockey game, but I am going to tell you that you'll get the best Oilers performance, uh, I would think, the best Oilers effort uh, that they can give you. And if they give you that, that's going to win most nights. Well, you know, I think they had about 20, 21 hits, and you never bank your performance on hits because they always say if you had a perfect game, you'd have zero hits because you'd have the puck all night. But I would expect... Yeah, who said that? Who said that? Dallas Aiken said that once. Years ago, but I, I don't think he came up with it. I don't know, but that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
but I would expect them to be a lot more physical out of the gate and have a little more emotion and jump for sure. Uh, when I was down there yesterday, uh, Speck, I asked uh, Jay just a quick little, and then he cut me off a little bit, which he which was fair about. I said, "Did you have a do you, did you have a game plan for the first two games as far as your starting goalie went?" He went, "Yep, yep," which told me that you know he was going to start Stuart Skinner on the home opener tomorrow night. Is that how yep. you see things going tomorrow, no matter what? Yeah, for yep. sure. Like the only way, you know, this is at this point still a 50-50 deal. Uh, I don't, you know, I think Campbell earned the opening start with a very good training camp. That was totally fair. I, that's what I would have, the guy I would have started based on merit. But I don't think that anyone thinks that Campbell was going to be the number one goalie all year. I'm not sure that's been mm-hmm. settled. So to me, barring a 38 save shutout by Campbell in the first game, yeah. Skinner was always going to start this one. And obviously Campbell got pulled. So uh, there's no reason to change that now. Any chance that uh, you know those um, those creeps of doubt can uh, can crawl into Jack Campbell just after a, a quick uh, hook like that, and just in in the first game, any chance of that? Well, listen, the issue with Jack Campbell is between the ears more than anything. He's cleaned up his style quite a bit. Everyone who knows goaltending says that there's a bit of a different guy there style wise, and that's mm-hmm. good. You know, he's 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 worked on his game. He's improved his game. But Jack Campbell, if he was in on this conversation, he'd tell you that his biggest issue is, you know, not yeah. not thinking too much about about goals that go in and letting them affect the next one. And and this is an example of that. It wasn't a, I mean, his team was awful in yeah. front of him. He didn't have a prayer of ha- put, putting in a good night's work. So this is a one he should well be able to forget about. You know, he he's should. never going to say it in public, guys. Mm-hmm. But if I'm Jack Campbell, I'm at home going. Man, my team just rolled out their worst game of the year. I'm just blowing this off. I'm not taking blame for it because it wasn't his fault. So he should be able to put this behind him pretty well. If he can't, uh, I mean, if you want to be an NHL goalie, you got to be able to forget about games like that in a hurry. I mean, I wouldn't fault him on any of the goals, and he made some other big saves as well at times that it could have been a lot worse for sure. Um, Yeah, he was okay. I mean, he was okay. He wasn't great either. But none of right. the none of the goals were his fault, really. I wouldn't say no, that they weren't. But he didn't steal a goal either. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't see a save where you go, man. How'd he keep that out? Like, I'm not absolving Jack Campbell. He was as okay. flat. He was as average as the rest of his team was. Fair. And that's not good enough for the skaters. It's not good enough for the goalie. Fair. Uh, Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet with uh, Carrie Steel on Sports 1440. Uh, just by kind of listening to Jay Woodcroft yesterday, we should see Matthias Ekholm back tomorrow night. Thoughts on that? Yeah, he's he's a settling force, right? And and the other thing is, guys, you build your team a certain way. You build your team knowing that we've got here's the players we have. We're building our defense pairings in a certain way because these are the guys we have. When they take out one of your best players, sure it has an effect, right? Sure it has an effect. Now. The Edmonton Oilers and any decent team should be able to get through a hockey game without one player playing. Mm -hmm. I don't care who the player is. If Connor McDavid can't play, it's not an excuse to lose. It's not an excuse to get beat 8-1, right? Ekholm's good. I get it. He's a really good player. He's going to make this team better. The fact that he didn't play, to me, has no bearing on the effort that team put in. Uh, With him or without him, play like that, you ain't going to win. No, absolutely. 
Fellas, I, I'm gonna is is doom and gloom as it's been is as disappointing as I am as a former competitor in just the compete level that I saw. <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to take a little bit of a positive mindset with this butt whooping that they had, because as Mark said earlier in the hit, it's uh, they realize they can't just show up. They realize mm-hmm. that they can't just show up into a building and their reputation, their the facade of who the Oilers are is just going to win them games. They need to come out and compete and put their foot on teams' throats, game in and game out, because at the end of the day. You're not going to do it all throughout a season, but the best teams do it more consistently than not. So I'm going to take the positive spin, and they they had this chance. They had the wake-up call, this head-shaking wake-up call. And moving forward, like Mark said, I think we're going to see a really competitive performance tomorrow. Yeah, I I totally am with you. Like, listen, I think every guy in there, that's a veteran team. They know what what we just outlined. No one would have said to you, ah, we don't have to try very hard and we're going to win. That's not what they're thinking. Nobody had a decent answer for what happened. Like Mm -hmm. I talked to Kulak and McDavid and uh, I forget the third guy, but they were all at a loss for words because they all know you can't just chuck your sticks over the board and win a hockey game. Uh, But sometimes you need a reminder. All of us in life, sometimes you need a little kick in the rear end. And you know what? That, that score is going to do more for this team than losing 3-2 in overtime, yeah. right? Yeah. And playing a good game and losing, that score is going to last. That game is going to going to ruminate here. And we're going to talk about that game. It's a bookend to the season. Yeah. The season began with an 8-1 loss. Don't worry, pal. They won't forget about that anytime soon. And, yeah, you lose a game. What are they saying in the playoffs, Kev? You know what? It doesn't matter if you lose 6 nothing or one nothing. It's a loss, and you move on to the next game. That's where they're at. They lost one game. This is, we're not, you know, we're not burning down here. The house, it's it's only one game. It's only one game. And the other thing I look at it is uh, you, you still have to get to that level like uh, a Vegas where they had the opening night banner raising. We're sluggish out of the gate, but caught some momentum, got going, beat Seattle rather handily. Vegas goes into San Jose last night, kind of just tested the waters a little bit, then started to throttle the Sharks, which is a bad team, but that's the way it goes. So the the Oilers have to get to that point where they understand and realize that they are one by one of... By, well, probably by picked up almost by everybody, one of five teams that are favored to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And they have to go into every game thinking that that's what the opposition thinks. So no no nights off anymore. They were, that, yeah. they were that team last year. Like, give them credit. Yeah. They they went down the stretch as, you know, as good a team as there was in the National Hockey League from the trade deadline on. They, they've played this. They've done this. They've, they've been the team that goes through all the, the you know, non-playoff yeah. markets and, and, puts their foot on the other team and wins those games they've they've done this they've been there they're a good team you know this is we're dwelling on one 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 game yeah shaky performance if that would have happened at the end of a road trip in in december we'd barely be talking about it Mm -hmm. but the fact it happened on opening night is a little jarring but i've got absolutely no concerns here this is there's 81 games left for the oilers to be the team you thought they were going to be i think they're going to be that team and we will see that tomorrow night. Hey, Spec, thanks for this. Have a wonderful weekend um, and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night. Thanks, bud. See you, Spec. All right, boys, we'll see you at the rink. All right, that was On the Mark, energized by Booster Juice. You can get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, Scott Taylor from Game On Magazine 
uh, a pioneer in sports broadcasting and a guy that interviewed Eddie Steele multiple with, times. Multiple times. And when he was a wee lad in Winnipeg. Just a pup. <laughs> That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele on Sports 1440 after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program, 821 in Edmonton, looking for a decent weekend again. Man, we've had some good weather uh, heading into the fall and late October. Time now for the headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. Kevin Carries, along with co-host Eddie Steele, and we bring in another Winnipegger, Scott Taylor from Game On Magazine. Scott, welcome to the big program. How are you in the peg today? Uh, the peg is, is actually quite nice today. It's a little cloudy, but um, uh, it doesn't look like the first weekend of hockey in, in, in Winnipeg. It looks more like the uh, third or fourth weekend of uh, the Canadian Football League. So, yeah, it's a pretty nice day. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Eddie. How are you? Scotty, how you doing, man? Talk about nostalgic for me. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> It was um, about a dozen years ago that you and I did two or three uh, sessions on uh, on the Huddle TV show here in Winnipeg. Yes. And boy, it was fun. I, I, I learned an awful lot about a game that I have played as a youngster, but um, uh, didn't know at the level you were at. And it's uh, it's really nice to talk to you again. I'm glad everything's going for you. And um, um, this is great that Sports Talks back in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I wish it was back in Winnipeg. Yeah. Hey, hey Scott, do you remember the first time you ever interviewed Eddie back in the day? Um, boy, that was a long time ago because he was playing for the Bisons, maybe. Um, maybe even high school. Yeah, it probably would have even been in high school. It would have been high school. Oh, that's um, pretty cool, though. Yeah, yeah, that's. A and long we go back. Time. We go back, Scott. We do. We absolutely go back. And 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 your dad and all the stories and those those were great days. Um, and, and I'm glad to hear your voice. It's 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 a great way to start a weekend. For sure. I mean, I don't. We could go anywhere with this. Uh, I I remember the first thing that I was, uh, we were talking about having you on the show last week. I I would say, um, I mean, because you've been in the business for many many decades, and I started in in 1990 in Yorkton, and I was just thinking back. Well, that's where my buddy Kirk Kielbach. Well, sure, yeah, Kirk Kielbach yeah. started there. Chris Cutbert started there. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Yorkton. Yeah, CKOS, they called it chaos, was the call letters. <laughs> <laughs> From the old Maxwell Smart Show. Chaos, yes. Um, well, the first game I ever covered was a junior hockey game in Sarnia, Ontario in 1968. Oh, wow. Somebody asked me the other day, boy, I was in the press box at the Jeff game and said, did you see Gretzky play live? <laughs> and I said, I saw Maurice Richard play live. <laughs> um, so kind of getting back to my original question, I, I really think that you were one of the, uh, when you see all these guys doing the hits on the podcast, and we you know we have Frank Saravalli on twice a week, Mark Spector's on every day, and then you've got all the podcasts, and you've got, uh, you know, the 32 Thoughts, you've got the Jeff Merrick show, you got them all. But you were one of the first guys that seemed to be doing those on a regular basis. Is that is that fair, going back 25, 30 years ago? Well, going back 30 years, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, there's, me and Pat Doyle, it was kind of like a war in, in Winnipeg. We, we were both doing kind of the same thing, different days of the week. Boy, those were good days back in the newspaper business when it was a <laughs> functional operation. <laughs> it sure changed now, hasn't it? Oh, man, yeah. I, I can't imagine being in that business now. It is, 
it, it, it's just crazy. I'm quite happy to be a magazine editor and writing a few books and doing a bunch of radio and podcasts, and I'm, I'm happy with that. It's That newspaper business is just, A, cutthroat, B, it's all about clicks now, not about getting it right. Mm-hmm. And And... I imagine editors are insane these days. I imagine the deadlines and the social media and all the rest of it just have these guys just just running after their tails. It's 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 got to be a tough business um, in a really tough time for the business. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, when we first started this uh, show, Scott, um, I was talking about when I moved to Edmonton from Calgary uh, and started working at ITV in the in the late in '97 and. You know, there were 12 or 13 reporters at the Journal. There were eight or nine, and sports oh, yeah. reporters, sports reporters at the Sun. Wow. And now it's it's changing, not for the better. I mean, as you say, the story yeah. isn't the thing now. I mean, it's it's kind of sad where the industry is gone in that sense. It's, it's really almost, as, as I continue to go through um, Twitter and, and Insta and all of the socials, it's almost meaningless to actually pick up the paper because the reporters are all putting their interviews on Twitter. Yeah. Well, it's X now. Sorry, I missed that one. Yeah. It's X. They're all putting it on X. So by the time they get to writing their story and having it published and on the street, all of the quotes in the story have already been on X. Yeah. And 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 the other thing that's really difficult, I think, for these guys now, is that everybody has the same access to the players. The teams control it so much that there's only a certain number of guys who are made available after the game, mm-hmm. and all of those guys are are, are videoed, yeah. and the video is on the air before the guys even started writing a story. So it's really tough to get anything new um, out of the room anymore. It, it's it's really yeah. hard to to, to to get something special and meaningful because the teams are in such control of their own message. And that's not bad for the teams. That's that's a smart thing to do. That's what they want, yeah. Some, some of the best writers I know, like your friend and mine, Eddie, Eddie Tate, yep. um, uh, left the newspaper industry and went to the Blue Bombers. I left mm-hmm. went to the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, because we, even as a minor league baseball mm-hmm. team, had complete control of our media. And, and I, that's really changed it. Um, not for the better either, because it's really tough for these guys to get something that's new and fresh and different and honest. Um, you can make stuff up, I guess, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to, to get the dirt that we used to get. Uh, you, you remember when I when I would walk through the locker room, either when, when you were in Edmonton or, or when you played by Absolutely. Um, we talked to all the players. We walked through the room and talked to everybody. Absolutely. They don't get to do that anymore. It's it's Well, and COVID changed a lot of it as well. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Yes, COVID was ideal for these. Uh, oh, the teams loved it. Uh, marketing directors who wanted to control the message. Yeah. That was that just made their day. Yeah. They now had an excuse to keep us out. Mm-hmm. Scott Taylor so from Game. Go ahead. Sorry, Scott. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. The times have changed. Yeah, times have changed for sure. Uh, Scott Taylor from Game On Magazines, our guest, Carrius Steele on Sports fourteen forty. So. Uh, still covering things in Winnipeg, etc. But what's it like? I think uh, the, the question I was thinking about uh, when we knew you were ha- we were having you on is about Winnipeg is now the flagship franchise of the CFL. For years, it was here in Edmonton. The Riders took it over, but now it's Winnipeg. What's that like in Winnipeg to have that kind of, I guess, status or whatever you want to call it? Well, I, I think it's great that people haven't um, um, gotten blasé about it. 
Um, they, it's still the, the, the best attended event um, in the city, and it's the best attended games in the league. And, and fans here still love every minute of the, of the new stadium. And, and um, it's important that people have um, embraced it like they have because in a lot of – I mean, look, Toronto's a really, really nice football team, but I look at those games on TSN and there's not a soul in the building. And, and I think that has to be concerning for the Canadian Football League because Toronto has a very nice football team. Yeah. Um, but it's good in Winnipeg that, that people still go and they, that they still find it an exciting way to spend an evening um, and the team is still well-supported. Um, I think what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did is what most Canadian Football League teams that are struggling should think about, and, and that is hire um, a, an extremely smart Canadian to be your general manager who knows Canadian football and hire a really smart Canadian to be your head coach who knows Canadian football um, because uh, Wallers and O'Shea changed this franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wade Miller taking over as president changed it in the sense that he hired those two guys. But the team on the field is not just credible, but exceptional every time they play. And it's because the guys that run the team understand the sport. It is different than American football. It has to be treated differently. The players are different. The players don't make $8 million a year. The players make 250000 or 150000 It's a different type of game, and the people that run it have to understand it. And that's the thing that turned Winnipeg around. That's what made them the flag, flagship franchise. So well said, Scott. Uh, what I loved about you, Scott, growing up is just the amount of local coverage you would give to, to kids, to college athletes, high school players, all types of different athletes on the scene in Winnipeg. Uh, and one kid that I definitely remember you writing about, you doing stories about, because it would have been back around the same time that I would have been playing pro and I would have come on to your TV show. And this young boy was playing with the North Winnipeg Nomads at that time, Brady Oliveira. And now he is the face of the franchise. Can you just talk about the importance of Brady, not only to the Bombers organization, but to the city? Brady was like you. The only thing he ever wanted to do in his life was play football. Hmm. That's all he ever wanted to do. Nothing else really mattered. The only, thing, <laughs> the only reason he went to school was because he knew he had to go to school and pass and get good grades in order to play on the football team. Guilty. <laughs> and, 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 and that's... That's Brady Oliveira, and that's why he's successful. I mean, he's a, a, a giant of a man who isn't. What is he, 5'10", maybe? Mm-hmm. But he's wide and hard as a rock and tough as nails mm. and, and loves to play the game and, and has paid the price to play the game, um, as you did to get to, to, to the CFL. I mean, he, his body is beaten up as yours was to yeah. get there. Yeah. Um, you, have to, you have to pay a price to make it, and Brady made it. And he is not just the face of the team because of what he does in the football field, but he runs this rest, this dog rescue operation mm-hmm. that he has he has um, earned as probably as much publicity for as he has for his football prowess. Um, he's loved in the city, but he got there because he did the things that were necessary to become a professional athlete. And I don't think people really understand how much work that takes. I, I, it, it's 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 you have certain gifts, sure. But Brady Oliveira is not the fastest guy in the CFL. No. Um, probably not the quickest because he's a straight north-south runner. Um, there are certain uh, aspects to his game that he doesn't have. But heart, love for the sport, and fearlessness, 
make him the player that he is. And he's with, with the end of the year coming, he's going to finish maybe in top five seasons of all time in Winnipeg history. Boy, that, that well, says something yeah. about a game that has gone from a running game in the um, 70s and 80s to a complete passing game today. It's, it's an incredible performance he's put on this year. Scott Taylor, Game On Magazine's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with co-host Eddie Steele. Uh, let's go back a little bit with the Jets and what it was like covering the Jets in the heyday and all those great series that they had with the Oilers and then... You know, leaving Winnipeg, then coming back. I mean, that's been a roller coaster ride just in itself for you to cover. Yeah, well, um, uh, when, when they left, it was it was pretty ugly. It mm-hmm. wasn't very nice around here, and, and it was very difficult for the 15 years or so that they were away. Um, yeah, it was hard on everybody. Um, the world is so much different now. I mean, the old Winnipeg Jets, this, this is an absolutely true story. Um, my daughter needed somebody for show and tell. And I mentioned it to Eddie Olchek in the dressing room one day after practice. He said, I'll go. And Eddie went to her school and did show and tell. That would never happen today. Mm-hmm. The world, again, is so much different. The, old, the, the days we used to cover the Jets, I mean, it, 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 we were much closer to the players than we are now. Um, yeah. Although, and, 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 and I'm still close to a lot of the players who used to play. Like, I still see Doug Smale. I still see Peter Taglianetti. I see Bobby Joyce. I see all these guys who, who played for the Jets back in the day. Jimmy Mann I talk to constantly. Um, but the guys who play now, I mean, they play, collect their money, leave. It, it's a different time than it used to be. Um, the hockey is tremendous. Uh, it, 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 it's great to be part of the National Hockey League in a community like Winnipeg, the smallest market in the league. Um, but... Uh, it's a different world again than it was the, when Jets 1.0. Um, the closeness that uh, a lot of people were to the players doesn't exist the way it used to. What about that, I guess, the Jets-Oilers rivalry? Uh, yeah. You know, going back to the, the WHA. They were the two best teams in the WHA. And then, uh, I guess that could be argued, I guess, if you wanted. But then when they went into the NHL, simply amazing, too. Well, the Jets started off badly. I mean, Edmonton had Gretzky from the start. Mm-hmm. So they, they jumped into the National Hockey League with a pretty good team. The Jets weren't very good when they started, and then they drafted Howard Chuck and everything changed. Um, I, would, I would argue going back to those days that the, the real rivalry was Howard Chuck and Gretzky. Okay. And I look back at Howard Chuck's career, and he was the second-best goal scorer of his era um, and the second-best passer of his era. And no matter who was playing at that time, they were second-best. Um, you could argue a, a hundred guys were second best, but there was only one Gretzky. Uh, he he was he was not just the face of the National Hockey League, but the, I think the greatest player of my lifetime to play the game. And, and I'm a guy who, who loved Howe and Hull and Beliveau and Richard and and that '67 Leafs team and all, all. I've seen all of these guys, but Gretzky changed the game completely, turned it into the offensive game that it is today. You can't compare it to today's hockey. And when people say, well. Would Gretzky do that today? No, because goaltenders' equipment is different. Goalies are different than they were then. Goalies even in the 80s had jobs in the offseason. Goalies today play hockey. Hmm. Um, if you look back at those, and I'm sure everybody has looked back at those old YouTubes of Gretzky scoring goals, yes. the pads on no, the I... goaltenders were, yeah. were tiny. It was a different time. But Gretzky would still be a great player today. There's no question about that. Mm. But the, the, the rivalry with Gretzky and Howard Chuck, and the Jets didn't get get to be a good team until Howard Chuck arrived and then when they were it was really fleeting it was a couple of years and we remember it because we were there but at that time Winnipeg Edmonton Calgary Vancouver were all good teams yeah 
And the saddest thing was that only one of those teams could come out of that division because all four of them at, at some points in, the, in, in that four or five-year stretch uh, were good enough to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, every uh, Stanley Cup win the Oilers had uh, included a, a victory over the Jets in a prior yeah, series. Everyone. So. Um, hey, you know what, Scott? We could so do this for. Never got sorry. to go as far as they should. No, no, they didn't. Uh, can we do this again? Can uh, we do Anytime. it one more? Because yeah, I mean, I like talking about the old stuff too, for sure. So. Yeah, well, it, yeah. There's too much old stuff. We got to talk about new stuff. The Jets are going to be good. Okay. Well, good. we can talk new stuff too. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Eddie. Eddie's got I, I a can't bunch jump of stuff. in on the old stuff too <laughs> yeah, too much. Come on. <laughs> Couple yeah, of, you're not old. You're a young man, Eddie. Oh, you know, respectfully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple of old codgers. Hey, uh, thanks for doing this, Scott. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Eddie. Talk Bye, to Scott. You later. All right, that's Scott Taylor uh, from Game On Magazine. Our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrreuter.ca. Now, Eddie, have you uh, disconnected your uh, garden hoses and drained them yet? No, I haven't actually. Funny you say that. On Tuesday is <laughs> garbage day for me in my neck of the woods. Yeah. And uh, as I was pulling the bins back in at the end of the day, I was looking at the outside tap. I thought, huh, I got to do this. It's an important part of your, uh, you know, just annual maintenance uh, and things like that. I mean, you could cause some big troubles. Absolutely. Unnecessary Um, headaches. Yes. So just get those hoses drained. Hang them up in the garage if it's heated. So what you're saying is give Mr. Ruder a call. Well, I think, yeah, they could do it for you. I think they would probably uh, kind of go, Eddie, I think you could handle this. You know, <laughs> you know, turn the tap off, disconnect the hose. <laughs> so don't call Mr. Ruder. Oh, Save sure, myself some coins. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be happy to do it for you, but I mean, <laughs> they're kind of going to go... Well, actually, they wasn't. That, remember, Laddie was having some trouble with it as well, or whatever. So I think they said, "Ah, we can do it for Laddie." Well, maybe they'll do it for you too, Eddie. Who knows? I, I always right? say it's just a YouTube video away, but it's never that easy. It never is, Duke. Well, you know, the Duke could come over too. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm always scrounging for some extra extra coin. Got to feed my gambling <laughs> habits. So. Chris, uh, Chris, twenty. I'll come roll up your hoses for you, Eddie. No problem. Oh, really? All right, all right. Not bad. We'll talk. Uh, we've got some open time with Eddie Steele when we come back at the top of the hour. Uh, Kate Pedersen, uh, she's now the Vancouver Canucks rinkside reporter, was in Edmonton, Nashville. So a wonderful uh, career, well underway for Kate after uh, many years uh, doing things out east. And she was with the Toronto Argonauts years and years ago too as well. Uh, Troy Murray, how about that? Chicago Blackhawks radio color analyst will join us at eight, at uh, 920. We've got Evan Grant from the Dallas Morning News coming up at 10 to check in with the Texas Rangers. And then Chris Morris. University of Alberta Golden Bears football coach at 1020. So stay with us. More with Carries and Steel on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. It took a while, but the Duke finally comes on with some stones uh, for Eddie Steele. He's, he got it on for my, my final segment, the beautiful send-off. Well, you know, I'm just I'm still impressed. He comes in this morning, you know, ties just crisp up there. Double Windsor looks like, I don't know, maybe yeah. a single Windsor. Is it, it a double? It's a dub. Okay. Is that your go-to tie? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, big guy, so you need a big knot, right? So do you have to get the extended ties when you buy them? Yeah, typically yeah, I do. Sometimes, yeah. depends on the brand, but yeah. yeah, for the most part I do. Yeah, it's you're right on the brand sometimes. And then, you know, when you tie a lot of them, they used to say, they called it, uh, you, you don't have enough meat in the knot. 
Yeah. yeah. Because that's just the way they make them. Well, honestly, Kev, I, it grinds my gears when I see guys on TV, professionals, and yeah. their ties all crooked and janky. I just think like, what? How did even your partner, how does the guy you're with uh-huh. not tell you, hey, look, it's kind of like walking around with something in your teeth or a mm-hmm. booger. Tell me, <laughs> get me right, please. You know, I have, uh, I know it's sad to say, I probably have about 120 ties. And uh, just because I, you know, over the years you get, you know, four or five a year and, you know, they just all add up and they're all, I still have them all. And we used to give them away for uh, just like a a charity thing every year at at Global and maybe we'll do that again. But um, it's, you're, you're right in the sense where that's one of the first things that I look at, especially, you know, people on TV. You know, yeah. get that knot correct and don't have, it it, don't have it off to the side a little bit. And the other thing, I used to do an old trick and the, the guys at Eddie's menswear used to get mad at me because I never did my top button up. I would always use the pressure of the tie the knot, knot to make it just to condense the right right amount. That's a that's a good it's an point. Old trick. That's a good point because here I am barely breathing. This shirt's a little tight. <laughs> oh, I could have been Thanksgiving, big turkey sandwiches, the whole bit. Uh, no, just uh, I bought it really small uh, with the mindset knowing that I'm going to lose even more weight oh. to have it fit perfect. Uh, text uh, still coming in. Uh, f- about the Elks in the uh, Upper Bowl, one eight three three four zero one, fourteen forty. As a former season ticket holder, this is another massive mistake by a non-functioning organization. A lot of people can't afford lower bowl tickets. Uh, and then, understandable for sure, Kevin. But moving fifty-five yard line seats to end zone with no backs is a slap in the face for my sister. After thirty-four years as a season ticket holder. Uh, tomorrow is likely the last game for our family as season seat holders, unfortunately. Uh, th- that's disappointing. You know, it really is. It, and it's, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because I have a question for everybody out there who's listening is, really, you go to a game now, so I'll be generous and say there's 20,000 people, which it doesn't look like that because Commonwealth is so giant. Yeah. Is that the atmosphere you guys really like? You know, I understand having your tickets and your seats for years and years, but do you like having a stadium that looks like there's 200 people in it because it's so spread out, zero type of game day vibe and atmosphere? Because me personally, I don't think that the optics are good, and I don't think that the overall environment is good either. Got to start winning. Um, and winning at home that finally started after whatever, the, you mm-hmm. know, since 2019. Uh, October the 12th, 2019. That's a long time to go. And again, yes, you had a COVID season, but a long time to go without winning at home for your fans. Uh, you know, as a, as a former player, when you win a game there, what's the first thing kind of you do? You you go to the stands yeah. and you're kind of sharing that moment you are. with your family. Yep. If you lose, very rarely do you go out there. Yeah, head you know, down right to the locker room. Right down, because you're mad. Got and to you're, do the walk of shame a little bit yeah. in front of all the fans. The other thing, the media used to do, and this was before COVID, and it stopped now because there are no media at mm-hmm. the end of the game. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. There used to be three local television outlets when you were playing, Eddie. Yep that were on the sidelines at the five-yard line or so that would come down from the press box. As soon as the game was over, you would go on the field and interview guys. And they were very quick interviews. Mm -hmm. Two questions max because 
how the Elks used to, well, the Eskimos used to do it. You'd go on the field and then uh, you had maybe five to ten minutes, depending on the result, too. If, you, if, the, if, if there was a win, you had more time. A little more time, yeah. And, and everyone's in a good mood. Yep. yep. But, and then you would go into the locker room after. But those were the, where the interviews were the best because yep. the guys had the emotion. It's true. Yeah, yeah. the raw emotion. The raw uncut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you nailed it though, Kev. If you win, people will come. It's the old field of dreams adage. If you build it, they will come. If you win, people will come. That's fact. First uh, texter that comes in that says they like the idea. We've had nothing but negative on this today, but cards comes in. I love this move by the Elks. Let's pack that lower bowl. Uh, not Fred. Why can't they just close the west upper deck? That way people have a choice and the east side is shown on TV. So it would look better there as well. Good point. Just like, as we were saying, how about a section or two, depending on where, you know, it's at the 50 Mm -hmm. or 55 yard line. Um, Corey, personally, uh, I would like to see the Elks have a section behind the opposition that is strictly adult only designed to heckle the opponent. Uh, Yeg Buds, it's a slap in the face with this whole team. For being community-owned, the community never gets a say in anything. We aren't there for the look of the stadium. We are there for the game period. We should be able to buy tickets where we want to sit. And a lot of people like the upper bowl. This team keeps making stupid decisions every year. doesn't matter who's in charge. I, I, I have to say, so out of all the texts that we've received, and there's been, I don't know, several dozen or whatever, there's been only one that's, that mm-hmm. agrees with the decision. Well, let's keep this in mind yep. too. Uh, Rick, the interim yep. president, he Rick did Lallisher, this. Just Rick for Lallisher, our yep. He did this in BC, and it ended up being a fairly successful move. Oh, it wasn't initially instant, but now BC over the years has established that low bowl, packed that low bowl, and actually just recently had to open up the upper deck because of um, the demand for tickets. So this isn't a a foreign move to him. He's done this before and I think had some success as a result. So we'll see if this is the right move again for him. So I I believe that, yeah, so Rick Lalashire, the interim president and CEO here, did it in in Vancouver. Um, I just think that it's only been open... Once or twice, yeah, a couple, couple for the upper bowl for a regular season game. Yeah, so I mean, see what happens playoff wise. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I, I, with a for a playoff game, you should be opening the the upper bowl for sure. Agreed, agreed, you know? totally agreed. Um, I just look at it from this perspective, you know. Uh, of course, the team is not winning, so that is the biggest impact on people fan turnout. But I don't want to go to a game and have my kids be able to run throughout the aisles because there's nobody there, mm-hmm. you know? I, I don't like that. And you look around the stadium, and sure, there's 20,000 there, but when it's 20,000 scattered through, about in a 55,000-seat stadium, it's a, not, it's a sparse, man. I get that people want to sit where they want to sit, but at the same time, that's not very efficient, I think, for business. Uh, I agree with what Eddie said about the atmosphere, but my sister is now being forced to pay more per seat than all three seats up top together. See, and that, so that, has, that, can't, that has to be the same. If you're, yeah. if you're telling a season ticket holder to move, and we'll have to get Rick Lalisher on about this next mm-hmm. week. We'll, we have to get uh, the other side of the story for mm-hmm. sure. Um, you, you ha- if you're moving someone from the 50-yard line, which is technically, if you're if you're on the front rail on the fifty yard line in the upper deck, it's a better seat 
than being back underneath. Well, being on the twenty yard line, wherever. Yeah, you know, because technically, your you your sight line is just as good, if not better, than someone directly underneath you. Mm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Because you'd be under the canopy essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like the pricing and all that. I I don't have any knowledge on pricing and price changes, but I don't agree with that. If you're being forced okay. to move, I don't think that you should be forced to pay a higher price. Here's another one. So guys, I've been a season seat holder in the upper bowl for over 10 years. This is a great move. Atmosphere is going to be way better, and the team is going to give uh, lower bowl for the same price we pay now. So I, I think, again, transparency here. Just yeah. come out. When they when they sent this release out, they just said that we're, we're closing the upper bowl. Mm-hmm. Come out and say all Some we're, we're going to be taking care of everyone. Yeah, details. Know, just be transparent. Yeah. I, I, I've said this a hundred times with this organization. Uh, Team Dean, why not leave the first six rows in the upper bowl open? Um, here's a fresh take from trainer Mark. Hey guys, they offered a three-year grandfathering cost last year when they changed the zones. Now they are raising the prices and forgetting they locked people in for prices that summer. Hmm. Interesting. Trainer Mark. Uh, very interesting. interesting. Yeah. I, again, 100% transparency. Just get on and then you ha- Either commu- way. community on team. Yeah. It's the key. Either way, you just need to have those open lines of communication. And I think that that would prevent this organization from stumbling over themselves uh, in times like this. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get out there, get in front of it and just be completely transparent. And I think that will be uh, it would bode well for the team. All right, Eddie, time flew by again. Where's your company taking to you taking you to right now at the top? I mean, you're just it's just you got your briefcase here. Yeah, yeah, briefcase in the car. I'm gonna be all <laughs> over today. It's a Friday, so on Fridays typically I like to stay in the city, kind of wrap it up. So I am uh, probably gonna stop at a couple hospitals, uh, see the maintenance guys there, maybe stop at um, a couple other facilities I do business with, a couple hotels, maybe a seniors facility or two, and uh, wrap it up into the weekend. Maybe a quick quick stop at uh, one of the menswear shops in town pick up a new tie no that one's fine that's fine that one's, good. That one's okay Eddie. that one's just fine yeah okay <laughs> it kind of you I got like a little it. like a fuchsia going in the yeah, and it goes the, with the jacket the blue stripes match the jacket yeah yeah i see your true colors <laughs> why you gotta wait till the last minute to throw that at me <laughs> yeah you then, give me no time to recover and then we're off on break uh have a wonderful weekend eddie we'll see you back here next friday uh talk a little smack we'll see what your what what kind of outfit you got on next friday all righty fellas all right Appreciate it. Thanks, Eddie. Uh, Before we pump the brakes and check in with Kate Pedersen, uh, Canucks ringside reporter, uh, who, by the way, maybe, Eddie, uh, that's uh, Leif Pedersen's daughter. Oh, okay. So Leif used to be a long-time player in the CFL and broadcaster as well. So. Neat. Just a cool make, tie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we uh, check in with uh, with Kate, uh, time now for a sports update brought to you by Cattail Crossing. Enjoy half-price golf Monday to Thursday. Elevate your game without emptying your wallet. Book your tee time today. Cattailcrossing.ca. Here is the Duke.